Hi everybody, Dr. Joanna Robson here with the next installment of the podcast for veterinary well-being. And today I would like to focus a little bit more on our discussion of personal boundaries in this podcast, Personal Boundaries Part 2. And I'd like to provide some contextual examples. In Part 1, we reviewed personal boundaries, what they are, rigid, porous, unbalanced and basic categories of types of boundaries, for example, physical, intellectual, and emotional. In this episode, I'd like to expand on those categories by giving specific examples, especially those that may be noted in the veterinary context. If you are not directly involved in the veterinary or animal healthcare industries, you may still find these examples useful and applicable to your daily life as you begin to understand more about specific behaviors and boundaries and what they are. There will also be crossover among the categories and the examples listed. In our third installment, the next podcast, I'll specifically review 10 ways to build and preserve better boundaries. The culture of the workplace is essential. Only the organization can set the tone for what is acceptable and unacceptable. Official sexual harassment training is now required by many employers with renewal every couple years. I frequently see posts from colleagues in apparently toxic environments who are afraid to speak up or feel that they're completely unheard by their managers and they're left unsure if they should leave their current job and what that means for finding their next job and the impact that that has on their location, their family, and more. Examples of unacceptable behavior may include not greeting people who say hello, intentionally excluding someone from normal workplace conversations and making them feel unwelcome, failing to say thank you, interrupting coworkers, and responding with frequent sarcasm or anger to normal interactions. Behavior that may cause harm also includes yelling at coworkers, making threats to demote, dismiss, or give a bad review, spreading false information or rumors, attempts to destroy someone else's self-esteem or confidence, and behavior that is meant to undermine, patronize, humiliate, intimidate, or demean. Let's look more specifically at physical boundaries. Let's imagine an emotionally distressed or angry client. This client perhaps comes around the clinic table and backs a professional against a wall and threatens them. How about someone who passes too closely or stands too closely to you in a hallway or room? Using physical presence can be a menacing threat. Trust your intuition. We've all had that energetic sense of someone being too close to us, especially feeling negative energy that may leave us feeling sticky or needing to wash that energy off. We can also have intellectual boundary infringement. The best example I can provide here is that between mentor and mentee. Perhaps a younger graduate who brings new ideas about procedure technology or medication to a practice is met with resistance, belittling, or worse from a mentor they respect. The mentor may state, hey, I've always done it this way, that's ridiculous, or we can't afford that, we don't do that here. Intellectual boundaries may also be impinged when right speech isn't employed, 
For example, openly discussing sensitive topics with clients or even coworkers, such as race, religion, and politics. Emotional boundaries. Let's look at an emotionally charged case. Euthanasia is frequently the best example, but could also include a challenging financial situation or even a bad review on social media. Gossip, bullying, and hurtful speech. In a clinical setting, this can occur between a doctor and a client, client and the doctor, between clients and staff members. Let's have an owner who appears distressed and may be crying or sobbing. The animal in front of you is severely dehydrated, matted, and appears completely unkempt and suffering. We may judge that client and insist that they shouldn't feel sad. In fact, we may personally feel angry about it, that if this client really cared about the animal, they wouldn't have waited so long to bring them in. The problem is we don't have the whole picture. We don't get to see the whole story, the finances, the divorce, the spousal abuse, the substance abuse. Incidentally, having a veterinary social work in the practice can be incredibly helpful in these situations, able to provide support for both the client and the staff members. And remember, as we talked about in the introduction, emotional boundaries may also be affected by a number of things, anything that is directed to affect self-esteem, to threaten to demote, dismiss, or give a bad review, anything that can affect any range of our emotions could be considered having a negative impact on our emotional boundaries. Now, if we go to the next step up, sexual boundaries. Frequently, we are required to perform official sexual harassment training in fact, I just completed mine a couple days ago for State of California for my employer. It's very important that we understand the difference between federal and state laws and policies. And I do encourage everybody to look these up, uh, particularly also what is included under the protected groups, because this is not the same between federal and states. So let's look at what are your practice policies. What about interprofessional relationships, both inside and outside of the office? Is there anything written down about this when you sign up for employment? What about between a doctor and a client? I know for myself and for colleagues, people who've been asked out by a client, and this has the potential to make them feel incredibly uncomfortable. What's the policy? What do you do about this? What are your boundaries around this scenario? Material boundaries includes theft of products, medications, and even services. Material boundaries refer to our money and our possessions. Healthy material boundaries involve setting limits on what we will share and with whom. Imagine the scenario where you say, eh, I'll just do this real quick for no cost. Well, that might not be acceptable if you are an associate and not the owner. In fact, inadvertently, you may be stealing funds from the practice owner without even realizing it. Boundaries with clients regarding discounts are incredibly important, and knowing where you stand and where your practice stands is essential. You may also feel pressure to loan somebody something. Perhaps it's your car or an item that's incredibly important to you or practice equipment or supplies for fear of demotion or repercussion. 
Perhaps you have used a practice vehicle for things other than business, or you've taken supplies and used them for personal clients outside of the business. Those are all infringing on material boundaries. Which takes us to time boundaries, which again, I think is the most important of all. Time is money, time is precious, time is a major resource and needs to be treated with care and respect. But we've all known them, the cheese suckers, clients who just won't stop talking about everything. Family, divorce, 14 different grandchildren, lists of 50 different things they want checked during a 10-minute vaccination appointment. Keeping these people focused on track can be incredibly difficult, but it's absolutely essential lest we create major delays, not to mention keeping the care of the pet in front of us tantamount to why we're all there in the first place. There's also staff who waste time on computers, talking, texting, doing their own thing when they're not on an official break rather than sticking to work. These are all considered affecting time boundaries. I wanna flip this around as well and discuss time boundaries regarding keeping our clients waiting. We've all been on the opposite side. I've personally waited over two hours to see a doctor for what was a five minute appointment. Emergencies happen, absolutely. Traffic happens, car issues happen but we have to keep in mind that our client's time is also valuable and they've often taken time off their own work, perhaps sought childcare or even other support in order to come to their appointment. We resent when our clients are late, but routinely keeping clients waiting is also disrespectful. If you are routinely late to appointments, look deeply and ask yourself why. Is this a recurrent behavior? Or is it simply a product of management issues and your local environment, traffic, etc.? In the third installment of this discussion on personal boundaries, we'll go the next step and we'll talk about how to actually build healthy boundaries and preserve them. So we've touched on what are boundaries. We've looked at some contextual examples and the types of boundaries. And obviously, we're barely just scratching the surface on this category, but I do hope that it begins to give you some interest and insight as to what boundaries are and how these may uh, be applicable in every walk of our daily life. So I'm excited to provide these 10 ways to build and preserve better boundaries in the third installment, and I do hope that you will enjoy it. As always, feel free to reach out via email if you have any questions. You can hop online to Facebook to the Veterinary Wellbeing page. And until the next round, may we all be well in health and well being. Dr. Robson.